Hey friends, before we start the show, I want to invite you to check out my brand new free training all about how you can start your own freelance business from home. In this completely free one hour training, I am going to share with you exactly how I was able to leave my full-time teaching job and replace my income by freelancing and how you can do the same thing too. We're going to talk about how you can find skills that you already have and what services you can offer, as well as what you need to actually get started today. So you can go check out my brand new free training. It's my gift to you at aubreymalik.com forward slash free training. That's aubreymalik.com forward slash free training. And we will link that up in the show notes for you. All right, now let's go ahead and dive on into the show. Hey friends, in today's podcast episode, we have another amazing guest. I brought on Amanda Abeya to talk all about her own personal journey from freelancer to CEO and what it takes to make that jump and that transformation and what is important to have as we are looking to scale our business. Amanda shares so much with us. This is definitely a pen and paper type episode where you take notes and sit back and enjoy the conversation that Amanda and I have because I know you are going to love it and it's definitely going to give you a little motivation and encouragement to take your business to that next level. So I will see you inside of today's episode with Amanda Abeya. Welcome to the Freelancer to CEO podcast. This is the podcast for overwhelmed freelancers who are ready to simplify and scale their business so they can earn more and stress less. I'm your host, Aubrey Malik, and I'm a former elementary teacher who launched my own freelancing business, and now I want to share all my secrets with you. Each week, I'll be sharing business strategy, systems, and tactical tips that you can take into your business today so you can finally step into that CEO role you desire. Let's dive on into the show. Hey there, Amanda. I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for coming on and for agreeing to share all of your knowledge with us. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this all week. (laughs) So before we get into all the juicy questions and your answers, which I know you're just going to give us so much goodness today, I would love for you to share a little bit about your background, your journey, and how you got to where you are today. Cool. So I've been in online entrepreneurship to some degree since 2010. So we're going on 11 years. And which sounds crazy now that it just came out of my mouth. (laughs) It's been 11 years. Um, And it basically started because I graduated in 2010, great recession, couldn't find a job, was really depressed, was having panic attacks, was sick. It was, it was a whole big drama. And a friend of mine um, let me borrow a book called The Art of Nonconformity by Chris Gillibo. I think that, that was his first book. He's got a whole bunch of other books now. And in that book, it was basically the, the whole premise of the book was like, hey, you don't have to do a nine to five. You can like do your own thing. I'm going to go travel the world and I'm going to go to every country and I work online. And it was the first time I'd ever heard anything like that because up until that point it was like go to school get a job kind of a thing and I'm like well great but what happens when the job market like there are no jobs you know and it's similar because I'm seeing something similar now with um graduates of 2020 and 2021 because my neighbors just graduated from college and I was like oh I thought it was bad when I graduated (laughs) this is next level (laughs) 
at least I know what to do this time around with the recession, but I digress. Um, at the time, it was like 13% unemployment in Miami, which is where I live. And I, I was just really struggling. I read the book and it just made total sense to me. I was like, okay, well, instead of like waiting for a job, why don't I just go make a job. I'd always wanted to be a writer. Um, I did journalism in high school. I got an English degree in college. I never saw myself doing anything else. So I was like, okay, well, what if you could get paid to write? And it literally started with a Google search, how to make money writing. And um, that, that led me down an adventure. <laughs> um, and I got my first quote unquote client. And I say quote unquote, because back then it was um, like content mill. So you would write a bunch of articles and then you would get ad revenue based on the amount of traffic you were getting. And I made like $5 because that was my sign up bonus, but it was like the best five bucks I ever made. Cause I'm like, yes, I just made $5 doing something I like to do. And in those early days, it was a lot of like, just man, probably like 12 hour days, just like down a Google rabbit hole, trying to piece all this stuff together, not knowing where to go, who to talk to nothing. Um, and so I did that. And then that same quote unquote client had, um, these open assignments for different types of articles. They had like personal finance, they had home improvement, they had health, they had all these different sort of verticals. And I was at that time, I was having a big aha moment. Like, Oh, I don't know anything about money. Seems like something important that I should know about because we're in a recession. What if I get paid to learn about money? So I started applying to write those articles and I was getting paid like 15 bucks to write those articles. But again, I went from $5 to $15. So in my head, I was like, this is great. I could do this all day long. That turned into um, a blog. And then long story short, I spent eight years as a, a freelance writer and I focused mostly on personal finance. So stuff like budgeting or paying off credit card debt. And I had clients like Discover and Wells Fargo and Credit Karma and Investopedia. And I had a, uh, I basically built a brand as a financial expert and a financial writer. And then around 20, I believe 16, I started running into a little bit of a problem. And that problem was that I started making really good money as a writer, but my hands hurt <laughs> from all the writing I was doing. And if I wanted to make more money, I would have to take on more clients. And I was like, oh, I think I have an issue. I think I got a problem here because I, I, and I didn't know this at the time, but what I was realizing was that I was stuck being self-employed and I hadn't built an actual company. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that at the time. I was just like, my wrists hurt. Like I cannot write anymore. So from that point forward, I was like, okay, you need to start focusing on systems. You need to start making some different moves. You need to do something different. I invested in programs to help me do that from people that I knew who were good at systems and that I met through the financial space, actually. And then about a year after that, what I did was I basically took everything I had in my brain that helped me build my first business, and I put it into my flagship offer called Persuade to Profit. And when I put it out in the marketplace of July of 2017, I made $10,000 cash in two weeks. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> We're onto something here. 
<laughs> we are on to something here. Yes. Right. And then it, it wouldn't be a long story short again. It wouldn't be until a year later that I completely let go of all the freelance writing. And it was only because I did not realize that I probably could have quit freelance writing six months sooner because I hadn't checked the numbers, which is one of those things I've learned to do since I've had to learn how to put on my CEO hat. So I could have quit like six months sooner, but I just didn't look at QuickBooks to realize that, oh, my on-demand programs, my online programs, Persuade to Profit is out earning what I'm making freelancing. And it doesn't require as much effort on my part. And I remember the moment I quit, right? All the freelancing stuff. I only had a few clients left. I had kind of been transitioning. And I remember I was like in a debate with an editor. There were a couple things that happened. So number one, I remember being home for Christmas, visiting my parents. And then um, on December 26th, I had emails at 9am from editors, like asking me to do stuff. And I was like, oh, this ain't cute. Mm -hmm. I did not sign up for this. Mm -mm, nope. Um, so that already, so I had started dropping a lot of the freelance clients. And then about six months after that, I remember uh, kind of getting into it with an editor <laughs> over some edits that they wanted me to make. And I was like, listen, boo-boo, I've been doing this for seven years. I know you are in the wrong this time. Like, that's what I was thinking in my head. And then at the same time, I had someone in my DMs who wanted to pay me 10 grand for consulting. So I was like, what am I doing with life? Mm -hmm. You know, and I quit all my freelance clients, like whichever ones I had left that day, I sent an email, I quit. I haven't looked back since six months later, hired my first employee within two years, multiple six figure training company and growing. Wow. Awesome story. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I tried uh, to condense it. It's like getting no. longer and longer every year. <laughs> I hear you on that too, because as, as you, as you grow and it's like, oh, then I got to add this piece to the story. So I, but that's my favorite part of being on this side of the microphone too. And then also in listening to podcasts is I love hearing the stories and where people have come from. I want to back up a little bit to when you were beginning you were talking about, you know, I made $5 here and $15 there. And I know that like beginning part of getting your business up and off the ground is really, really hard. And sometimes when you're not seeing the success that you hope, it's hard to stay consistent. So can you talk to us about like how you were able to keep pushing through, even though it wasn't as lucrative, maybe as you would want it to be. And you just kept, cause you, you did, you made it through those, those hard right. times. So I would love for you to kind of share a little bit about that. Yeah. So two things. Um, number one, I always expected it was going to be hard and I just decided to do a hard thing. I was always very aware of that. I think part of what happens with people is they're like, oh, I'm going to make all this money, right? And then it doesn't happen very quickly. And then they're like, done. They're throwing in the towel. It's the same as people who like want to go to the gym and they don't have an ab within a week, like they're done. <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily work that way. Um, and I would say this, so I always knew. Um, I think another part of it was I did actually get a job when I had my first business going because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. So like the entrepreneurial, like, hey, you really have a business here. You have something here. Didn't really hit me until 2013, even though I started in 2010. The original plan was just like make money on the side because you want to have your money coming from different places. But like, you know, we're still doing this job thing because that's like what you're supposed to do. So I think that was a part of it until I couldn't take that anymore either. <laughs> I 
didn't last very long. Um, and then I would say the second thing was just like always being super grateful for whatever money I made. I think for me, when I made those five, yeah, it was only $5, but I'm like, but I just made $5 doing something I really love to do. Like someone just paid me to do something I like. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that pretty much answers your question. Those are the only few things I could really think of um, is just like the gratitude for whatever money was coming in. Even now, like whenever I see a payment notification coming through, the first thing like we do is like, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you. I agree. And we're excited about it, you know? Right, right. I agree with that so much. Um, And then we're going to get into what you and I both love talking about is scaling your business. And you went through that process. And um, that's where a lot of my listeners are at. They're at that place where they have the business. It's going okay, but they're looking to scale it to that next level so that Maybe they can make, you know, more than just a little extra money on the side. Maybe it's something that they can leave their nine to five job. Maybe that's what they're looking to do. So when do you think is a good time to start thinking about doing that, about making those bigger moves to scaling your business? I say right away. That's what I tell my clients. And the reason I say right away is because I think I wish someone would have shook some damn sense into me early on and I just did not get it. Right. So I had to basically go and learn the hard way. Right. When in reality, I probably could have gotten a lot sooner, a lot, a lot, I've gotten a lot further, a lot sooner had I understood some of these concepts. I think part of the issue we have, and I know this was it for me, I just wasn't thinking big enough, mm-hmm. I think was an issue for me. Like, why I have a company, especially because I related as like a creative. Like, I remember my friend, uh, my business bestie sitting down with me right when I had just hired my first employee, and she was like, you know, you're like the CEO of a company now. Right. And I'm like, huh? What? Like it still had not clicked even after now, suddenly I have payroll. Like, I feel like it didn't click until 2020 Mm -hmm. to be honest. Um, so I wish someone actually would have just like slapped me or shook me or something and been like, Hey, you need to start thinking about this sooner, or it's going to turn into a problem later. And I see that with a lot of our clients now. So you know, in our program, we teach people how to move away from one-on-one work, start creating their signature offers. We teach them marketing and sales systems, and then we teach them how to slay their sales. And we teach them traditional sales in addition to online sales so they can really capitalize. And, you know, we'll have people who are already in that stage where they're making like seven to $8,000 a month, and they cannot take on any more work because they've been doing one-on-one stuff or done for you stuff. So we have those people who join us, but we also have people who join us who just want to do it right from the beginning. Like we want the foundations to be able to scale if that is what we choose to do down the road. Uh, And if they don't do that, then they end up creating what I call a dumpster fire business, which is basically what I felt I had before I started the scaling process. And at that point, you feel like you have to rip a whole business apart and basically build a whole new one, even though you're really not doing that. That's what it feels like. And it's hard. It's tough. It is a difficult transition to make. So what I would advise is to start thinking about this stuff sooner rather than later. Right. And then too, with that, like, that's such great advice, but 
I know that for me, even too, like there were certain things that I had to have in place in order, you were talking about like those foundation things to have in place so that when you do go to scale the business, you have a business that can support that. You have those systems in place that can support that because like you were talking about too, continuing on with just one-on-one, you know, I have that still that side of my business, still that one-on-one side, but adding in the other layers, but there were definitely things that needed to be in place before I could really take it to that next level. So we're starting to think about scaling our business, but what things should we have in place before we're ready to scale? Honestly, the number one thing I would say is whatever's going on in your head needs to be out of your head and into a program or on paper or on something. And you need to be selling that thing. And you need to know that that money's coming in from that particular product. And there's two reasons why I say this. Number one, it's easier on cash flow. Number two, it needs to get out of your head at some point, right? And number three, now that I have employees, they're actually going through these trainings that I have. They're basically training themselves because I've gotten everything out of my head. So I would say step one is to make sure, even if it's like a complete dump, right? Because that's what it looked like for me in the beginning. It was just a complete like word vomit kind of dump of all this knowledge I'd gathered in an eight-year period. And then from there, I started organizing it. And then from there, I started selling that as a system. And then, you know, from there, you know, within a year, I think I was hiring full-time employees. Okay. Awesome. And then, um, you chose there's, you know, there's so many different ways out there to scale, right? Um, a lot of what I teach for my students coming into my programs is let's stop being everything to everyone. And let's figure out what is that service that you can offer to someone that you can get really good at, get known as the expert at. And then once we get that in place and you're selling those more premium packages, let's start to diversify. So I would love to talk about how you chose to scale your business. Why did you choose that route as opposed to maybe some of the other routes that are out there. I know that some people talk about agencies and different things. So I would love to get your perspective on that. Yeah, it's funny because we just hired a subcontractor. So we just added like an agency department sort of of my business where we will build out the funnels and systems that we teach for our clients. But it's only because it's a subcontractor doing it because I didn't want to touch it with a 10 foot pole. Right. So it's funny that you bring this up because we were literally having this conversation because our subcontractor chose the agency route because that's what she loves to do. And for me, I was like, no, I like to teach. I also want to make money in my sleep all the time. And I really don't want to be managing that many people. Mm -hmm. That's really all it came down to was like, this is how I want to live my life. And an agency model doesn't really align with that. But this model over here where I'm selling my intellectual property, that model does align with the way I want to live my life. And now you were doing the freelance writing thing. So I guess that's probably like the couple different routes that people can take as freelancers, right? They can either teach people how to do what it is that they're doing with their service so that they, instead of one-to-one, they can be one-to-many, or they can teach people how to do what it is that they did to get there, which is very similar to like what I'm in. Like I was doing, I was offering a service, but that's not what I teach. Like I teach people how to grow and scale their freelancing business so that they can leave their right. nine to five. So how do we decide what route that we should take as freelancers? Like, should we package up our service and sell something like that? Um, do you have any advice on that? 
I think it depends on the person. And I think it always comes down to it's it's always this question, right? It doesn't matter what it is in business. It always has to come down to this one question, which is how do you want to live your life? So when I answered that question for myself, I was like, I plan on gallivanting all over the world on the other side of this pandemic. I want payment notifications every day. I want other people delivering to our clients. Like, um, I, I want to have freedom. Like that's always been what it's been for me. And the idea of having an agency and managing a lot of people did not appeal to me, did not look to me like it was going to give me that freedom that I craved because I didn't want to be in another country having to manage a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Right. I wanted to be in another country knowing that our funnels and automations and things are just like coming. Like we just got to a stage in the business where we are getting new sales every day. Right. And I'm like, see, that's what I wanted. That that's what we've been working toward this whole time. Right. So my team and I have been joking. We're like, we're getting vaccinated. We're figuring out our retreats. We're getting back in the room. Like we're trying to figure all that stuff out because the entire vision and the entire goal was let's make sure this thing is working like a well oiled machine so we can take off and do whatever we want. Basically, it all comes back down to freedom for everybody. But other people, they might have different skill sets, you know, like our subcontractor who builds out the tech for our clients. She loves managing people. It's like her favorite thing to do. I personally don't understand it. Right. Mm -hmm. But she loves it. Cool. Great. Good for her. So I think for everybody, it's such an individual, um, it's such an individual answer. There is no one size fits all when it comes to business and it all works, right? It's just a matter of what's going to work for you. Right. Absolutely. So, so true. And, and I, I like that. And that's how I tell people too. Like, I don't want to tell you what you should do because what might work for me might not work for you. I'm going to show you, you know, how I did it, but take with that what you want, you know, take it with the grain right. of salt with everything. I think in general, like whatever marketing online business advice that you hear, like take it, but don't just do it just because someone said like this to do, like make sure that it aligns with you and what you want for your life. Because if you build a business based on someone else's goals and visions, you're going to build the business and no longer be happy with it. Right. And I see that happen all the time. I'll be in a lot of groups where someone's like, oh, this thing's working for me. And then like 30 people jump on it and then they'll rearrange everything to try this new strategy. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, God, that's not going to end well. Um, but I see people do that all the time. And that's why I'm always telling my clients, you know, in our mastermind, they ask this question all the time, which way are we going to scale? And I'm like, how do you want to live? Mm hmm that your answer is going to be in how you want to live your life. That's how you're going to know which way you want to scale. Right. And that's the thing too, that I, I found for some people, because I think some people do think like, Oh, I, I like the idea of doing like a course type route, but then they find like, they really do like being behind the scenes. Like they don't want to be the one that's out there like marketing or selling or right. being the face of the brand. So that's something else that, that, that has to come into play. And too, that's totally you have to be really accurate. Yeah. And actually that's exactly what happened with our new hire. So I just brought on um, an associate coach who has like major potential to be like a program director for us. And we just hired her and that's exactly what it is. She's like, you know, she's been working with businesses for 20 years. And she told me, she's like, I would rather be the person like behind the scenes, supporting the person on the stage, mm -hmm. you know, and, so, and that's great. That's awesome. Right. So I literally just hired somebody because they have that realization. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The last thing I want to get into 
because it's, it's huge. And I say that it's 90% of your business, like the success of your business, like really is 90% mindset and 10% tacticals and all those things too. So what shifts do you think that we have to make prior to this scaling part? If we want to make the shift from freelancer to CEO, what are some major mindset things that have to take place before all those other pieces can fall into place? Oof. I don't know if I can tell you about mindset shifts before, because the only shift I had was like, this is not working for me anymore. And that's Mm -hmm. it. That's all I needed to hear. And I was like off to the races. I'm the type of person that as soon as I know something's not working, I'm like doing the exact opposite, like the next day. And I don't really think about it. I just move. Um, That has its pros and it has its cons. (laughs) Um, Now, in terms of during the process, Oh man, I would say the biggest shift and I still have to do this shift all the time, right? There's a few, right? So one of the biggest shifts I've had to make is just learning how to think bigger. I think when we're freelancers, um, we're just worried about how to pay our bills this next month. Like we're not really thinking beyond that. We're just like, I'm cool if my bills are paid. And when you're CEO, it's more like, I mean, there's a responsibility of paying other people. There's that. But I mean, more like you're thinking more about what's the bigger play? What's the impact? You're not thinking about what are we doing this next month to survive? You're thinking like, what are we doing in the next five years? Mm -hmm. It's a different way of thinking. It's a different kind of trajectory. So I would say that's been a really big shift for me. Um, Another really big shift has been having to learn how to lead a team. Man, 2020 was a hell of a lesson in that because- I think 2020, so we're going to look back on it. We're going to, I think people were paying attention to who was stepping up and leading and who kind of caved under the pressure for lack of a better term, because it was tough, you know? And I remember after the shutdown happened, I had just taken on $20,000 of business debt, right? Because we were in big transitions, building out internal systems. Um, The shutdown happened. We lost a huge contract because one of our clients' businesses was literally like shut down overnight by the government. Like, that's it. It was done and it never came back. Right. And then we had like a quarter of our clients were working in industries that required in-person stuff. So there went that revenue in Q2 while everything was crazy, while we were in the middle of transitions and I had just taken on $20,000 of debt. And then because I'd spent eight years in finance, media was knocking down my door. So I was basically like just spread very thin. um, And I knew it was going to be tough. And I went into my team meeting and I said, buckle up because this is what we've been preparing for, for the last year and a half. Mm -hmm. Right. And having to like step up and be an example in that moment while the rest of the world is going crazy so that your team has inspiration and they can step up while the rest of the world is going crazy. That is a difficult thing to do. Like, I think I got my leadership stripes in 2020 and then by Q3, everything was fine, but (laughs) But in Q2, everything was looking real scary for everybody. We didn't know what was going on. We had no idea. It was it was just chaos. Um, so I think leadership's been huge. And unfortunately, it's one of those topics that it's not like you could go find one book on leadership and it has all the answers. It's such a subjective kind of thing, minus a few things that you want to have in place. Like you want to be vulnerable and you don't want to be breathing down people's necks and you want to hire a players. Like that's as far as you're going to get in terms of instruction. Other than that, it's pretty subjective and you kind of got to figure it out as you go. So I think that's been a really big shift. Um, I think another big shift has just been 
honestly getting accustomed to the fact that now my role is being a visionary. Because when you get to a stage where everything's been a grind for so long, and then now suddenly you have systems working, you have people working, things are getting easier. And now your job is literally to be creative and have vision. It's weird. And it's scary Mm -hmm. at first because you're not used to it. You're like, is everything going to fall apart? Because I just spent like half a day, like designing where I want the business to go. You know, and I'm, I'm going through that particular transition right now in real time where I'm still not used to it because we just finished building out our last system in February. So it hasn't even been eight weeks, right? Where I'm in this new place. We're like, oh, now your job is to be the visionary. And I'm like, well, what does that even mean? Because I've been building out systems for the last two years. <laughs> I kind of exploring um, what that means. I think that's been huge. Um yeah. I mean, so many transitions. I mean, I, I look back at my freelancing days and there are some elements that are obviously still there, right? Because I learned a lot from my first business, but the way I think is also so different from when I was thinking when I was a freelancer. Um, I'd say as a CEO, I also take a hell of a lot more risks, calculated risks. Okay. Asterisk <laughs> calculated risks right? Um, I take a lot more risks as a CEO uh, because again, it's that vision that's pulling you forward. It's no longer like, I'm just trying to pay my bills this month and be okay. It's like, what is this impact and this vision that's pulling us forward? Like it gets so much bigger mm-hmm. when you're a CEO versus a freelancer. Yeah. I love that you talk like the thinking bigger. I know that's going to like hit home because it is it. And that's where I feel like a lot of my audience is right now is in that grind in that let's just make it through this month. Let's just find that next client and really helping them get to that place where it's no, those are no longer those consuming thoughts. So as we oh, start wait. to wrap, there's one more, this is really, <laughs> really important. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that's this okay. is so important. Okay. Um, So when you're a freelancer, you're basically just selling in order to get money for you and get money in the bank, right? When you're a CEO, you're not just selling clients. You're also selling your team on why they need to be on your team. I think that's been major. That's a, it's it's the same skill set. It's still persuasion, but it's, it's a different kind of nuanced little thing there. And I would say that's a huge shift. And then to that point, I think hiring employees was a major shift because I had VAs and contractors and all that stuff for years. But when I started moving into CEO land, right. I'm like, no, I need people who are like a thousand percent in this Kool-Aid. We're not Mm -hmm. doing this contractor stuff anymore. Like I need people who are in it to win it and bring the company. Like, it's not just about me anymore. It's about the company. Awesome. I appreciate that so much. Um, The the last question I was just going to ask you, and and you might've already touched on this, but if we can kind of wrap it up in like a nice little bow is if you were talking to the person who's at that stage where they know they're kind of capped out. They're kind of burnt out. They want to change maybe what their business looks like. What advice would you give them as they're getting ready to kind of make that, that jump? Get help to help you make that transition. And it's, it'll be easier. Cause if you try and figure it out, and I think this has been a huge lesson for me. I think when I was a freelancer, I tried to figure everything out on my own without really spending any money because mm-hmm. I was scared to. Right. And then when I had to make that shift, because it just wasn't working anymore, I have probably thrown, I think in 2020, no, actually, 
as of last weekend, 2021 will be the year where I have thrown down the most amount of money on mentorship ever in a year (laughs) to just get me to that next space. Because I know that it's going to be easier if like, okay, these people have already done it. So let me just get in the room and learn from them rather than me trying to figure it out on my own because I'm scared to spend money like I did when I was a freelancer. Mm, Preach. That is like such a great answer too. And I, like, I believe that wholeheartedly. I think some, some people will come to me and they'll say, Aubrey, how did you do what you did? And really that was it. Like, obviously like taking the risk and believing in myself and trusting the process and being consistent, but I have invested 2020 was that year for me where I was like, I'm just doing it. And I know that I can't do it alone. And I need to, I need to learn from smarter people because I don't, I've come from an elementary teaching background. I don't know everything in business. And I'm, I'm, I can admit that. I can also say like, I am resourceful and I can figure things out, but I can also admit that it's okay to learn from someone else and to have someone else help me reach a goal 10 times faster than I could on my own. Because that's one thing about my personality. Like if I want something, I think you mentioned this too. Like if I want something, I want it yesterday. Like, and I'm just going like balls to the wall and trying to figure it out. So if someone can help me get there faster to me, that is money well spent because I can't, I can't get back time. I can't earn time back. I can earn more money, but I can't earn time back. So and quite frankly, gonna- if we work with a lot of clients who are in that space where they're starting to tap out, like you, you literally do not have the time. Mm-hmm. to figure it out on your own. It's like, even if you wanted to do it on your own, you literally do not have the space on your calendar to figure out how to do it by yourself. And one of our recent clients, Claudia is in that position where she's like, Hey, I'm tapping out. Like I'm literally working 24 seven. I can't do this anymore. And I'm like, well, with what you teach a it's inherently expensive. Why don't we just package it up into video trainings? And then we'll have the different investment levels for that. Right. And then we'll figure it out. It only took like eight weeks for her to do that and start closing people for her beta offer at $3,600 a pop. Mm -hmm. And she's like, holy crap, they just paid me $3,600 for a video training. And I'm like, yep. (laughs) right? If she had tried to do that on her own, like she couldn't, she literally like did not physically have the time in the universe to make that happen. So with investing in us eight weeks, right. Is all well, and, some, and sometimes too, it's like when you're, when you're in it, it's so hard to like, see yep. those next steps is someone like someone else coming in and can look over. I remember like when I um, joined my first mastermind, like that, it, it became so clear because I had other people like not, not as invested in my business as I am. And sometimes that's like a hard place to be where you're like, I, you know, I, I want, I see that impact and I see what it can do, but I just don't see it clearly enough. And someone else can come in and can help you you know, navigate that. So I love that you brought that up. Yep. So yeah, just start asking for help, start hiring people to work for you. Maybe before you do that, hire a mentor. I didn't do that. (laughs) Well, I had a mentor in the form of my business bestie, right. That she, um, she works with corporate, corporate people. So she was kind of guiding me because I don't know if you have this experience when I started the scaling process, like no one was really talking about this stuff. It was really hard to find resources is on this. And now I know why, because it sucks. Mm. (laughs) It's a, it's a hell of a transition. I'm like, Oh, that's why nobody's talking about it. Right. (laughs) Because they're busy. (laughs) They don't have, 
the time to talk about it, literally. So I was fortunate that my business best friend did does this stuff for corporate and that she was kind of guiding me in those very beginning stages. She found my first hire, right? And I found, I hired a full-time employee probably, I mean, I didn't have the money in the bank for her salary, but I, I did know that I knew how to sell though. So I would find that money. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I agree with that too. Definitely hiring a mentor and then hiring help in your business. I put that off for so long and it's so funny because that's like, that's what I teach people how to do. Right. And I'm like, no, I can do it. And that was just me having control. And my mentor kept saying, you need to hire, you need to like, just let go of this one piece. And honestly it was, it was like letting go of that piece. And it was like, oh, I can show up and do more of the things that I love. And like, I can be I can be more of the face of the brand as opposed to like being in the grind and doing all that. Like, admin isn't stuff it like the weirdest feeling after yes. being in the grind for so long? Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get you like, like my team has to remind me that that's my job now. Right. <laughs> yeah. They're like, just go do your thing. We're fine. We got it. We're, we and I'm like, it. are you sure everything's okay? We got it. Calm down yeah. and go do your job. Like, <laughs> love it. <laughs> Well, you have just been so amazing today. Thank you so much for sharing everything with us today. It's been such a great episode. Can you let my listeners know where they can come connect with you and learn more about you and what you have to offer? Yes. So you can find all the things on my website, which is amandaabeya.com. My last name is spelled A-B as in boy, E-L-L-A.com. You'll find the podcast. You'll find our programs. Um, you'll find all that good stuff there if, if you want bingeable content. The other thing you can do is you can come find us in our free Facebook group. We actually cover these topics on complimentary trainings every week that my team and I put together. So if you search high ticket sales for women coaches and course creators, it'll, it'll come right up on, on the Facebook search. So that's the other place you'll probably, if you really want to get in the community, go to the Facebook group. If you want to learn like all things, Amanda, and just all the stuff and the social and all those things, just go to the website. Perfect. Well, we'll link all of that up in the show notes as well. So everybody can come connect with you. And I just want to thank you again for coming on the freelancer to CEO podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you for choosing to spend some time with me today. I appreciate you so much. If you haven't yet, I would love it if you would leave me a review on iTunes and share this episode in your Instagram stories and tag me. By sharing and reviewing, you can help spread the message so we can reach more entrepreneurs who are ready to scale their business to new heights. I will see you in the next episode.